So what's the big problem with wealth creation? How do people like us, who didn't inherit a boatload of money, who are investing and building wealth from our own blood, sweat and tears, how do we invest in a way that gives us remarkable results and become financially free before retirement age? I don't know about you, but I am sick of hearing from wealth gurus and experts who don't walk their own talk and prescribe strategies that are a one-size-fits-all approach. For self-made people like you and me, I'm here to tell you that you don't need to be superhuman or already wealthy to reach financial freedom earlier than 65. This is the Alternative Investing Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. It is awesome to have you here today. I hope you're doing really well. In today's episode, I want to actually talk a little bit about something that is on the lips of many people right now, and that is of interest rate rises. There's no question that, you know, we're following the dance set by the US right now, where they have categorically come out over the last few months and declared that there will be at least a series of five to seven interest rate hikes over the next 12 months. We've already seen a couple of those and investors are very much spooked right now. We're certainly experiencing that in the local market. And if you look at the news, there's constant talk about what is happening with interest rates and people trying to predict how that will impact the economy in the next 12 months. I'm not a huge advocate of crystal ball gazing, so I certainly don't want to dabble too much in that. But what I really want to do today is I want to explain why alternative investments are quite quite unique in terms of the, I guess, the returns that you can get and from a risk profile point of view. And I want to explain what I see at the moment and why I'm, I'm not particularly worried about what happens to interest rates. And I really want to break down as well why people are so worried about what's going to happen with, you know, good cause. So look, you know, alternative investments and one of the reasons I really love them as an asset class is they do have the capacity to deliver very good, strong cash flow, very predictable cash flow. And from an investor point of view, when times are turbulent, when times are tough, having a income stream that you can bank on becomes really, really important. And you know, where we are in the economy right now, cash is definitely proving to be king. Although we're kind of in a high inflationary environment and people do not want to necessarily stockpile too much cash, there's definitely, um, you know, when you've got security over income, when you've got money in the bank, it definitely contributes to a better sleep at night factor. But if I were to kind of start today with why are people so worried about interest rate uh, rises, I, I think, you know, this might be preaching to the converted. You guys might already have a good handle on this, but I just want to pull it apart more from an economic perspective. You know, when interest rates are um, rising, when money becomes more expensive, expensive to borrow, there's no question that that puts pressure on businesses that have capital borrowings and, you know, the cost of money goes up. You know, homeowners that have overextended could be forced to liquidate. Certainly over the last two years, we saw a lot of people buying in very frothy market conditions, sometimes paying over the odds just to secure a piece of real estate. A lot of the stimulus meant that, you know, the average wage earner had more money in their pockets and felt exuberant about wanting to spend that on their own home or investment properties or, you know, other household 
toys that they could enjoy while they're in lockdown. And, you know, we're in a situation now where we can already see that people who are looking to sell are already, in some cases, creating fairly heavy discounts in the market. And, you know, whenever someone sells at a discounted rate, unfortunately, that sets the new bar and then um, it's very hard for others. And so, it has a bit of a, a trickle effect. Obviously, when interest rates rise, the goal that the government have is to kind of slow the economy and try to swing back to being a buyer's market again. And I certainly understand that there are a lot of people who want home ownership who have not been able to manage that. And, you know, when interest rate rises occur, the hope is that it will create more stock in the market and give first homeowners a, a chance to get a foot in the door. Um, unfortunately, the, the flip side to that is that the cost of borrowings go up, which makes it harder again. So, it's a bit of a double-edged sword from that perspective. You know, there's a lot of businesses right now who are in the unfortunate position of feeling some of the ripple effects finally start to emerge in a post-COVID world where people or organizations like the ATO are certainly being less lenient. And when I talk to my colleagues who run accounting firms, the number of letters being issued to business owners and ATO's powers to declare them bankrupt is, you know, becoming considerable. And, you know, certainly that is happening all over the world. We had a, a bit of a reprieve, if you like, as businesses over the last couple of years and, you know, tax organizations at large were kind of saying, let's not rock the boat too much. And they were allowing businesses to, you know, make debt arrangements or, you know, basically not pay any tax debt. And that tax debt has now swollen to such a huge volume. And the ATO have basically turned around recently and said, no more, we want to collect on that money. And they are categorically forcing businesses that can't repay that debt into liquidation. So, you know, what we're going to see is business profits and cash flow start to reduce and many businesses may in fact go bust in the months and year ahead. Lending has to tighten. I think, you know, in spite of the reforms that have happened over the last three, four years uh, where lending became a lot more stringent, I think the last two years there was definitely a push to support people in acquiring more real estate. But I, I'm already hearing murmurs of, you know, the lending becoming tighter and household spending is absolutely becoming more stressed as a result of interest rate rises. So, there's a bit of a cocktail of pretty yucky things happening in the context of interest rate rises, which unfortunately, the, the side effect of a lot of that is that, you know, there's, there's a lot of fear in the market. There's a lot of concerns from an investor point of view. And, you know, whenever there's fear in the market, that has ripple effects in terms of buyer behavior, investor behavior. So, it seems from most people's perspective that it's a time of great uncertainty and a lot of people are wanting to stay out of the market right now. What I really wanted to kind of, you know, shine the light on today is how I'm feeling about alternative investments in this current environment because, you know, as many of you know, alternative investments for me really represent a completely different asset class. Although when I speak about alternative investments, I am talking about assets backed by real property simply because of the fact that you can structure deals in a very creative way that sits outside of mainstream just gives you the opportunity to participate 
in deals in a completely different way to what we think of when we think of traditional property investing. So if I were going to describe, you know, the observations that I've gleaned over the last decade plus from the time that I've been in alternative, you know, one of the things that I've talked about time and time again is the biggest risk that you face in the alternative investing space is who you put your faith in, who you partner with when you do these deals. So, with that said, the metaphor that I want to kind of give you here is that of a skillful surfer. You know, one of the things I've observed about surfing and I've had some good friends who've been great surfers and, you know, your skill as a surfer is really about your capacity to, you know, adjust your weight and ride the waves regardless of, you know, surfing conditions. And I think the same is true of the deal makers and the trusted advisors that I work with in the alternative investing space. You know, and if I think about it from their perspective and what they've taught me is they're always looking for a certain rate of return. So let's imagine, and I'm just going to pick round numbers. Let's say they're looking for a minimum net return of 10%. And I was talking to one of my advisors this morning who has an incredibly lucrative opportunity where it pays, you know, cash flow well in excess of that, even as high as, you know, 18 to 20%. But when they're out there looking for deals, they are looking for a certain rate of return. So when they run their analysis, regardless of what is happening with interest rates, regardless of what is happening in terms of business environment, economics, they are not going to compromise on their criteria when they select investments. And, you know, the better deal makers, they're not going to compromise on their criteria, their due diligence, their underwriting, simply to get a deal across the line. And I think that is the huge difference between a lot of my trusted advisors and what I would describe as your institutional um, fund managers. Now, the way that institutional fund managers work is they get paid based on assets under management. And so, there's going to be an incentive for them to put money to work regardless of the quality of the deal. And there's no question if you look historically at the performance of hedge funds and hedge fund managers, there are very few that go the distance. They sort of come and go like flashes of gold in the pan. And there are not too many uh, fund managers at an institutional level that have managed to survive multiple crashes, multiple decades because of their inability to stick with their guns and stick with their rules when it comes to asset selection. So, one of the things that I'm always really conscious of when I'm kind of working with a dealmaker is, are they going to compromise on their outcomes? And I love that in, in my world anyway, it's almost that deal flow would slow before they would make those sort of compromises. So, from the alternative investing space as I see it, what you want is to be working alongside skillful surfers who would look at something like an interest rate increase and clearly they need to kind of bake that into their understanding of what's happening in the market, but who won't compromise on the sort of returns they want and the risk profile of the deals themselves. So, what that translates to in practical terms is as interest rates actually go up, the better deal makers and the trusted advisors that I work with, they're simply looking for deeper discounts on acquisitions. So, the bottom line is the profit on the deal, the cash flow on the deal, whatever it is that they're kind of looking for still has to be there. And if everyone in the market is fearful or struggling as a result of interest 
interest rates hikes, then what these guys are able to do is they're able to go in and apply leverage to negotiate better terms. So, you know, I think what I'd add to that is that, you know, their continued focus in my world is on affordable housing. So they're not really necessarily trying to operate at either end of the bell curve, meaning they don't want to be a slumlord and then neither do they want to buy blue chip property. They're focusing on that sector of the market, which is affordable housing, meaning very close to the median, largest volume of potential renters, largest volume of potential buyers, whether it's multifamily, commercial, whatever, whatever the sector, they're trying to focus on what is affordable and what makes sense. So I think all of those factors combined, I guess the message I'm trying to illustrate or give you here is that, you know, interest rate changes are certainly have a huge impact both in terms of physical impact on cash flow, but also psychologically and the psychological impacts in the market, you know, lend themselves to potentially better deal negotiation than in very frothy times as we've had over the last few years. So essentially what I'm witnessing is that as interest rates increase as investors at large become more skeptical, more uncertain about the future, it still creates opportunities for skilled investors to go in, people who know a particular market or a particular strategy very, very well, who are very narrow and deep in their focus, who have access to opportunities that maybe are predominantly off market. Those people are able to take advantage of some of that fear in the market and structure deals in a way that still give you a very low risk profile overall, as well as deliver epic outcomes for those people who are prepared to partner with them. So that's kind of where I wanted to leave it today. I don't want to go too much deeper on this, but certainly, you know, you do need to recognize that these interest rate changes that are flowing through the economy are, you know, both local and global are going to have continued impacts. And I'm certainly not trying to predict what will happen. Certainly, I I do feel like there are some pretty stormy waters and dark clouds brewing. How those actually pan out into our economy, into our property market is still to be seen. We don't know necessarily what rabbits the government will pull out of their hat to uh, support the economy. And so, it's, it's almost fruitless or pointless trying to predict with any certainty as I continue to hear a lot of alleged experts doing. But what we can do is actually use this opportunity to deepen our understanding and knowledge of how the world works and get a sense that there are opportunities that sit outside of mainstream that can continue to deliver good results, great results, in fact, at a time where everyone else is floundering. So guys, I hope this has been a useful podcast. I really look forward to kind of unpacking more and more kind of uh, practical podcasts that help you understand more about why I am madly in love with Alternative and why they are, for everyone that I know of, a complete game changer in hitting your financial goals. So till next time, guys, take care. You've been listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head on over to inkosiwealth.com to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. See you on the next episode.